Beauty for ashes. 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 Ashes podcast. I am your host, Shayna Salome, and I am a testament that God can take your life and turn it around with just one yes. Join me as we tackle the real, expose the enemy, and apply pressure. God wants to give you beauty for ashes, and today we are talking about injustice. Somewhat of a segue from episode nine about the Black Lives Matter movement, um, but we actually are just going to really focus and hone in on injustice today. So this time we're going to be doing something a little differently. Um, you know, today we're going to be looking at one book of the Bible. I know normally we kind of be like, all right, what does injustice mean? What does justice mean? Okay, you know, that's usually the way that we take, but today we're going down a different road and we're going to actually look at a book of the Bible. The book we're looking at today is Habakkuk, okay? Habakkuk. A lot of people see it and they give it its own uh <laughs> its own name, its own pronunciation, but it is Habakkuk. It's quite interesting. I was studying this at the start of this month, right? And so God had gave me revelation during that for this episode. You know, I had already completed uh, the episode for Black Lives Matter. I believe it was already up. And I'm, I'm studying in Habakkuk and God's like showing me these things. And I'm like, yo, is this revelation for the next episode? <laughs> um, and so last week we had our first guest for episode 10, but now we're back um, and we're just continuing from the conversation uh, from before. So, you know, with us discussing Black Lives Matter movement, two weeks ago, <laughs> we, we talked about how Black Lives Matter movement of itself wasn't of God, and that really following it can open you to many spirits of this world. If something like the Black Lives Matter movement isn't of God, then we kind of wonder how, how should we respond to injustice, right? And so, especially as believers, I think we have to be really careful in this day and age uh, with what we choose to follow, what we choose to support, right? Because um, a lot of things come off as innocent. A lot of things seem as though, you know, they are of light, that they are uh, of God, right? And we dig a little deeper and then we find out, oh, 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 that's, that's what that is. <laughs> so as believers, we really want to be careful and we really want to go to the word of God to find out how we are to operate during these days, during this time. So today we're going to look at what I believe is a great example of how we should respond to injustice, how to apply um these these things to our lives so that when we are faced with injustice, I mean, we see it every day. You know, how are we supposed to respond? How, as believers, 
should we approach this topic? Well, first, you know, I want us to remember that this isn't our home, okay? So as a believer in Christ, we found out through salvation that we gain access to eternal life, right? The Bible says, whoever believeth on Jesus will not perish, but have everlasting life. That means beyond this time. That means beyond your earthly death. Earth will indeed pass away, but we have to realize that everything that happens in this world <laughs> is not a calling for us to follow it because it'll pass away. Earth will pass away. So again, like I said, we have to be very particular. We really have to discern in this age. Um, you know, honestly, if everybody is following it, you may want to go ahead and question it off rip, all right? <laughs> if all of the world is behind it, if all of the world is supporting it, you might want to question it before you do it, before you follow it. I think a good example of that is just this uh, silhouette challenge, right? A silhouette challenge coming out and everybody and their mama was doing it. And then what happened? People were removing the filter and some folks were naked underneath it. And then they started posting it onto these different um, explicit sites, right? And so that's just an example of not following the crowd just because it's a trend, just because everybody is doing it. We need to ask ourselves and go to the Holy Spirit and be like, look, should this be something I'm doing? <laughs> um, you know? Now, in the face of injustice, I'm not suggesting that you should do, quote unquote, nothing, right? But I am suggesting that you seek God on what it is that you should and should not support and in what capacity, all right? And then let's remember that the Bible also tells us to pray, okay, in all things and in all circumstances. Philippians 4 and 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, okay? Even your request for wisdom, even your request for understanding about these times, even for your request about um, why there is even injustice, go to God and ask him for wisdom, okay? You know, he wants you to ask. We've talked about this in previous episodes. God wants us to ask him, right? Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. So uh, wisdom and understanding isn't something that God is keeping from us, right? It's readily available, but we need to ask him for it. We need to seek him for it. And we need to um, open our minds and open our hearts to the truth. Because a lot of times the truth and the revelation and the, the wisdom <laughs> of it all is uncomfortable for us. And so, you know, it's one thing to be like, God, show me, give me wisdom. And then it, then we end up rejecting it because it's like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to take that as truth. Like, make sure that you are humbling yourself and realizing you, you don't know it all. We don't know it all, right? And so, um, I just want to remind you that we should pray in all things, and that means even in response to injustices, you should still have prayers on your lips. I cannot tell you the amount of times I saw prayer. Um, being mocked, right? It becoming a mockery because you did have people who would would voice that their response to injustice was to pray. And then people would be like, I don't know why you praying. The praying ain't doing nothing. Da, 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 da. And it's like, well, actually, as a believer, the word of God actually says otherwise. Greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. So let me tell you, my prayers, they move things, okay? My prayers, they shake things, all right? And so don't let anybody discourage you from praying because the word of God tells us to pray in everything, okay? Okay? <laughs> you know, people wonder why aren't we, why as a believer am I not anxious and why am I still able to find peace amidst what's going on in the world? Prayer, okay? 
I'm praying to God. <laughs> and with my prayer, I am also bringing forth thanksgiving for who he is. Um, so let's just keep that in mind. Now, as we kind of look at Habakkuk, I just wanted to let y'all know that my man's was a prophet, okay? <laughs> and um, in chapter one, he is really, really questioning God. You know, he's like, Lord, look, help me understand because I see this happening, but I thought you was like this, right? So we're going to kind of read through. So chapter one, verses one through four says, how long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen or cry out to you violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked him and the righteous so that justice is perverted. You know, many of us are, are like Habakkuk in this moment. He's, many of us are asking God, how long, Lord? How long will I see destruction? How long will this pandemic last? How long will I see my brothers and sisters treated wrongfully? You know, many of us feel that God has turned a blind eye, that for some reason, he just does not see the injustice happening. He can see everything else, but he doesn't see the injustice. But let me remind you, and let me inform you even, that God does see everything. Proverbs 15, and I believe it's four, Proverbs 15 in, in a verse. <laughs> The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. So this reminds us that God sees everything. So what we see happening, he sees it. And not only does he see what's in the natural, but he also sees what's going on in the spiritual. You know, many of us want to know why does God let it happen, right? I've heard it uh, plenty of times. Well, if God is God, why would he allow it, you know? And I love how Enduring Word Commentary breaks it down. They uh, show us that God allows us to see iniquity in others to show us what we may have been ourselves, to show us and make us see the wickedness of sin so that we may pass by it, hate it, and not do it ourselves, right? You know, God allows us to see these things because it makes us admire the grace of God when he saves sinners. And also it makes us more earnest, you know, to go to work, <laughs> basically, to go to work and do what God has us here to do, which is to bring others to him and to grow the kingdom of God. Isaiah 61 and 8 says, for I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make everlasting covenant with them. Okay, listen. God will provide what was lost, all right? He tells us in his word that he loves justice. He hates robbery and wrong. Robbery could be, look, stealing somebody's pencils or stealing someone's life. God hates it, all right? And so we should know and be reminded here of God's character, that he loves justice and he hates injustice. So we shouldn't have to question because God is not a man that he should lie. Even though we do not understand per se why something may be happening that does not change who God is, then God promises to give them their recompense and that he will make an everlasting covenant with them. So God is also giving you a promise. He will provide what was lost. Injustice does not come from him. Again, he hates it. 
And he also wants us to hate the sin of injustice, right? And I think we fail to realize that sometimes that what we're uh, viewing, what we're seeing is sin. But also in doing so, we should also see that there's a great need for salvation for this world. And we need to look through a lens of love, right? You know, God lets us know that he is faithful and making good for what we may have endured. So don't lose hope. Many of us feel like we never see justice, that the justice that this world gives is often not met <laughs> with our expectation of what justice should look like, right? And I believe that it, it probably never will. When, you're, when your mind is set on a particular outcome from this world, it, the world is not going to fulfill that, right? Uh, you have to put all of your hope and trust in God and faith in God. You see, the, the, the world is imperfect, <laughs> all right? The world's imperfect. It will not satisfy you, but God will. A lot of times because of what we're seeing, um, the lack of justice that we see, we decide, oh, I'm going to take matters into my own hands, right? Many of us have chosen to fight injustice with hatred and more violence, and that is just not pleasing to God. I don't care what anybody says, right? I don't care if anyone Set, tries to tell you, oh, you're a racist too because you're not doing X, Y, and Z. No, I'm not. I'm not at all. <laughs> all right. God tells us in Romans that vengeance is his. Romans 12 and 9 says, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So it's not up to you to take on vengeance, to take matters into your own hands. That is not up to us, right? God said that vengeance is his. You know, what Habakkuk was doing here wasn't wrong. God wants us to bring our questions, our frustrations, our complaints to him. You know, he would rather us be honest and vulnerable with him instead of turning away and rejecting him out of our own misunderstanding. Choosing our own plans and paths and our own ways of solution because we don't understand why God is moving or the way God is moving it's just, it's a path really to more um, dissatisfaction. We have to remember that our thoughts are not God's thoughts. And when we identify that <laughs> and when we accept that and when we seek after God's word and God's truth, we can still be within the world, not of it, but be within the world and be full be full off of his promises that he has shown. Be full off of his character that he has shown. You know, when you know the promises of God and you know the character of God, you're able to relinquish those present feelings and emotions and that need to control things. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you relinquish that control and you're like, you know what, God? You are still God. You are still in control. Chapter 1 continues on to God giving Habakkuk an answer, right? And so, you know, a lot of times we pray to God and we don't even wait to hear what he has to say, right? We just come, we dump, we dump out uh, our thoughts, all of that. And then we walk away like, ooh, okay, all right, that felt good. All right, thanks, God. And we walk away. But do we wait? Do we wait to hear what God has to say? So let's see what God had to say. In verses 5 through 11, I want to highlight that God told Habakkuk to look at the nations and observe. Be utterly astounded, 
for I am doing something in your day that you will not believe when you hear about it, okay? And I do want to recommend that anyone that's listening to this episode to go in and read Habakkuk in full. It is just three chapters, (laughs) Um, but go in and read it and and take your time because there's so much revelation within it. Um, But in context, you know, God was showing Habakkuk Uh, to be of watch, to pay attention to what was going on around him. He was informing him in that moment that the Babylonians were to take over Judah, um, and God was allowing that to happen, right? And so even through that, God was still in the midst, and he was doing something more than what Habakkuk (laughs) would even ever believe, right? And, And same for what is true now. What's going on in the natural, right, what we see, can't even compare to what God is doing in the spiritual, what he has already done, what is already um, in motion. We don't even know. We probably wouldn't even believe it, right? We probably wouldn't even believe what's to come. So, you know, on the surface, it might be total chaos and destruction, but we have to know and remember as believers that there is a greater plan at play and that It's the truth that we are in the times, the times of age, (laughs) where we are getting closer to Jesus's return. And the closer we get to Jesus's return, the more things are going to be like, uh, what's going on? What's going on here? Um, We are likely, I mean, we are more likely to be even more astounded by what else is to come, right? But we have to remember that God is in control, all right? And as we continue in the chapter, verse 12 through 17, Habakkuk comes back to God again in prayer. So I want you guys to pay attention to what Habakkuk is doing. He he literally is having a conversation with God, and you know that's what prayer is all about. And I think a lot of times we say, yeah, prayer is just conversing with God, and we just talk to God, we talk to God, we talk to God, we talk to God, but we don't wait to hear him. But as we can see here in the book of Habakkuk, it was an exchange you know, Habakkuk came to God. He waited. He got God's answer. Habakkuk came back to God. You know, it was a, a back and forth. It was an exchange. So um, he's still wondering at this point why God would allow such a thing. But in this, he reminded and acknowledged God of who he was. For example, in verse 13, he says, God, your eyes are too pure to look onto evil and you cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Again, these are all valid questions to have, right? And and I'm not invalidating anything that you feel about injustices. But what I am saying is that uh, go to God about it. And as believers, a lot of times we may not understand. We may have to be like, God, I know that you are a God of this, but why do I see this, Right. Um, look, I've been there. God, I know you're my provider, but why are my bills getting paid? (laughs) God, if you hate evil, why is it here in the first place? We ask these questions because we try to understand and make sense of what seems contradictory, but we have to remember again that there is a bigger plan. There is so much more that we don't know, right? But for the things that we do not understand, God is right there waiting to give you an answer if you come before him. I mean, no, (laughs) as far as why is there evil, right? When God hates evil, let's just remember what happened in the Garden of Eden and the fall of man. (laughs) But I can very much so attest to the first statement about, you know, God being my provider, but 
I don't see anything happening, ain't nothing shaking, right? I'm like, you know, God, this is due, and I know you're supposed to provide for me. I know that you will, but I don't see the money. God, where the money reside? Where the money reside? Where the money reside? <laughs> like, literally, where does it reside? And, you know, I thought that I was doing enough merely saying, God, I trust you. And although that's wonderful, right? We should trust God. We also have to learn to ask him for strategy you know what I'm saying? Wait for an answer, write it down, and implement the plan. And these themes you will see as we go through <laughs> the remainder of Habakkuk. But literally, y'all, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm like, God, okay, so I got to pay this bill, right? I got to pay X bill. And I know I trust you. All right, cool. And I just keep it pushing. I don't wait for him to answer. I don't ask him more. I don't say, God, I know you're going to provide, but how? I, none of that. I'm just like, oh, God, I trust you. Mm -hmm. And I, I was in a session with my prayer piece, Destiny Thomas, and uh, she really did help me break that down and how sometimes, you know, God really does want us to um, wait, first of all, wait and ask for strategy because there could be more to it. Yes, Shayna, I am going to provide for you, but I need you to make a call to so-and-so. And when you do that, they're going to show you favor and you're going to have all the money that you need. You know what I'm saying? Like there is still strategy attached to what God is going to do for you. God is a God of order. All right. He does things decently and in order. So we should also want to work in order, right? And so once I began to ask God for strategy, once I began to say, God, all right, this is being, this bill needs to be paid. Is this amount of money? What's the strategy? I know that you're going to provide for me, but what do I need to do? Am I supposed to just be still in this moment? What, or are, is there something specific that I need to do? Tell me what to do, God. Tell me what's the plan. And obviously I'm not like, tell me every single last piece, but what do I do next concerning this Lord? And as soon as I began to do that, y'all, I kid you not, God began to work. He began to move. And I began to see it. I began to see the movement. I began to see the money. Okay. <laughs> so um, I just want to encourage you that if you have been praying to God about something and you feel like you haven't been seeing it, you haven't been getting an answer, I want you to first ask yourself, have you been waiting? Have you been patient enough to hear God's answer? And then have you also asked God for strategy? Ask him, you know, Lord, I trust that you will do this, but what is it that I need to do? What is it that I need to do to be in the position to receive this, right? So we have to, again, learn to ask for strategy, wait for the answer, write down the answer, and implement the plan. Habakkuk shows us this in chapter two, where it tells us that he waited for the Lord's answer, all right? Verse one says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me, which if you look where he's waiting right there in that moment, <laughs> and what answer I am to give to this complaint. And that right there, folks, is God showing you how to respond, aka the strategy. All right, so that right there, is powerful to me, okay? Habakkuk didn't just leave God's presence when he presented his requests or his complaints to God, but he waited. He waited to see what God had to say. And check this, what answer he was to give to the complaint he placed, all right? that He waited for that strategy. He waited for um, the mindset. You know, a lot of times we come to God in one way, we come to his presence in one thing, one way, 
God, I'm angry. I do not like her. She is this, this, that, and the third, blah, 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 blah. And then God answers back to you and he tells you, but love her, but forgive her, but forgive her as I've forgiven you, but give her grace as I've given you grace upon grace. God is giving you an answer and a strategy, okay? He gave, he's giving you an answer. And he's telling you, look, this is how you need to respond to how you feel with forgiveness, Okay, let me tell y'all. <laughs> when I saw that, because I done read Habakkuk a few times. I've been reading it throughout the uh, month. And when I saw that, that stood out to me. That's that's the, the beauty. That's the beauty of the word of God, okay? That is the beauty of the word of God. So in other words, y'all, he had to wait for God's answer and the strategy so that he knew how to respond to what he was complaining about, okay? Habakkuk came in there like, God, I don't understand. I don't get it. And then God is like, yo, let me tell you how to understand. Let me tell you how to deal with this, right? So when we find ourselves before the Lord asking, requesting, searching for an answer, we must wait for his answer and his strategy. God will show you how to respond. And I cannot highlight that enough. He will show you how to respond. When I began to wait on the Lord and ask him for strategy, I found out what I needed to do to get to the place of provision that God had already set out for me. The provision was already set out. God already knew what he was going to do, but I had to get there. I had to meet him there, okay? God met me where I was, and then I went and met him where he was, okay? <laughs> I went to the place where he was already providing for me because I asked him for the strategy on how to get there. God will always give you direction. You just have to wait and see. I wrote down what he told me to do, and then I applied it. And that's right there, that right there, that's Bible. <laughs> you know, in the heat of your anger, in the midst of your despair, as it pertains to injustice, seek the Lord. Present your complaints to him. Wait for his response and the strategy he gives you on how to respond to that which is not just. Okay? Again. Again. God will show you how to respond. Many of us respond first. And then we ask or apologize later, right? We're driven by our emotions first. You know, we went and we hopped in on that protest before consulting with God and we ended up injured or worse, right? Some of us were so driven by our anger, we went out into the streets and ended up dead. And I'm not, you know what I'm saying? But this is this right here. This is truth, y'all. We have to, um, as believers, Really consult God about what it is that we are doing, what it is that we are involving ourselves in. And I'm not saying like, look, I don't know. God may tell you to go to a protest. Look, hey, I don't, I'm not God. But it could be not to go to that one because he already saw what would happen if you went to that one. You, you feel me? Um, the time that it takes to wait on the Lord is so small in comparison to what it could mean for you if you were operating out of your own will instead of operating in God's will for your life. You know, had I let my emotions drive me, maybe I would have went to try to find another way to get money, right? Like, oh God, I trust you, but you know, this ain't looking right, so let me go find money my way, right? <laughs> and look, either God would have blocked it or I believe that my experience, I would have walked out worse than I entered it, right? Because of my disobedience, for example, because y'all already know I got an example. <laughs> Literally, a few years back, 
I was like in not a good place, not not in a good place at all. <laughs> um, I was really running away from God in that time of my life. But um, when, when I tell y'all, I knew I was like, you know, God got me, even though even though I was doing wrong, I still had this mindset. Oh, God got me, you know, and <laughs> look. Look, thanks be to God that I am where I am now. But I was literally like, yeah, God got me, whatever. And girl, sis took on three jobs, three jobs. Sis is me. And guess what? Sis was still trying to make ends meet, couldn't barely pay her rent, and she was working three jobs. How does that even total? How does that even work, right? But had I have said more than just God got me, but, you know, had I went before the Lord, had I went and pressed into his presence, had I spoke to him, talked to him, asked him for strategy, you know, been obedient and within his will for my life in that moment, I would not have had to deal with all of the stress, the depression, the anxiety, the fatigue that came from me trying to do things my own way. And still it was unfruitful. I still didn't have my bills paid. So let's just, let's, let's know that it really does pay to just take that moment, right? To Ask God, talk to God, get direction, get strategy. So Habakkuk awaited, he awaited God. And when he answered, he told him to do what we just talked about. He told him to write it down, write it down. He said, write down this vision, be clear and make it easy to understand. And then he gave him strategy and understanding. Okay. So Habakkuk two and two through three. Look, y'all, this is a well-known scripture, right? <laughs> and for a long time, I did not realize that when we say, write the vision, make it plain, write the vision, make it plain, write the vision, make it plain, um, and we're referencing that scripture, it shouldn't be our own vision. It should be God's vision. We should be, we should be seeking him for the vision, for the plan, for the strategy, and we should be writing down what he says, all right? Many of us have taken this scripture out of context, and right now, as we speak, we're following our own plans and will for our lives, for our own lives, right? Just simply because we're following what we wrote down, not what God told us to write down. So seek God on what to do, all right? I love how the um, New International Version says revelation instead of vision, um, so instead of write down the vision, they say revelation. So we're going to read that version. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. All right. And so that's also a beautiful sentiment because God will give us something, right? He'll give us a vision. He'll give us a revelation. We need to write it down, make it clear. If there's action behind it, like if he's telling you to do something in that moment, go ahead and do that. Be obedient, right? And he's also likely telling you that something's going to happen within that revelation, within that vision, within that strategy, and then wait for it. So for example, if God tells me, Shana, I want you to write down all of your bills that need to be paid. And then I want you to go and I want you to call each and every, this is a true story. <laughs> I want you to call each and every one of these people that you owe. And then when you call them, speak to them and then come back to me. And prior to that, God told me that he had me, that my bills were paid, everything will be taken care of. All right. So after I write that down, like, and I call them and everything, 
it's not a guarantee that the moment I get off the phone, everything going to be paid just like that. But what God told me is still true. What God told me is still his word. The revelation awaits an appointed time. So even if we do not see what God told us to write down in that moment, in that very hour, in that second, within the next couple of days, even if we do not see it, we must still know and we must still stand firm that it will certainly come and will not delay because God is not a man that he should lie. All right. Then God goes on to tell him in verse four, behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him but the just shall live by his faith. Now we're entering into justice, right? The Bible tells us right here, right here in Habakkuk, that the just shall live by his faith. In my uh, my Bible, it says the righteous shall live by his faith. So we can interchange their righteousness and justness. So in order to be just, you should also be righteous, right? And if you're righteous, then you're just. So the righteous or the just shall live by their faith. When we find out that the requirement for being just is faith, we are to walk away from anything that opposes that truth, okay? And I mean anything. So the Black Lives Matter, for example, we talked about what it was founded on, what it's rooted in, and what it promotes. And none of it, none of the, what I, none of the latter <laughs> is of God. So are you actually operating from faith through your support of that movement? Ask yourself that question. Ask God that question, right? When you go out and you meet violence with violence, are you operating from a spirit of righteousness? I would say that that answer is no. And, and remember how I've said before how we should pay attention to the things that God repeats in the word. I mean, we should, we should pay attention to every piece of the word, but I believe it's even more important when things are repeated, right? And when they're bolded. And Romans 1 and 17 says, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Boom. Galatians 3 and 11. Now it is clear that no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. Boom. Hebrews 10 and 38. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he draws back, I have no pleasure in him. The righteous, the just shall live by faith. Okay. Enduring word commentary. I love how they put this, right? So they said we are called to live by faith and nothing else. Some Christians live by devotions. Some Christians live by works. Some Christians live by feelings. Some Christians live by circumstances. Each of these is meaningless and perhaps dangerous without faith. All right. And so we're going to we're going to go back to that a little bit. Right. So some Christians live by devotions. A good example of that is affirmations that are not affirmed in the word. People who believe that they can create and affirm and produce things out of their own power with no acknowledgement, no acknowledgement of the word of God. Um, Christians live by works. Someone trying to show themselves approved by what they do. Right. Right. Because it's not about works. It's about <laughs> God's grace. Christians living by their feelings, all right? That's very dangerous, you know? The Bible says in Jeremiah 17 and 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Who can understand it? It's very dangerous to live by your feelings, yo. It's very dangerous. The heart can literally um, lead you astray. That's why when people say, follow your heart, that's uh that's something of the world, <laughs> right? Because the Bible tells us that the heart is deceitful. Um, and then 
Christians that live by circumstances. So those who live by their circumstance are literally stifling um, their movement. I would even say they are stifling and, and keeping themselves from um, all the good that God has for them because a lot of the power that we have is within our mouths, right? Life and death is in the power of the tongue. So we are called to live by faith and that is it. We are found to be just by God when we live by faith, when we are not only hearers, but doers of the word. I love again how Enduring Word Commentary said it so eloquently that the just or righteous live by the principle of faith, looking to God and not to self, okay? So when you live by the principle of faith, you are living by God, by God's word, not by what you want, not by your will, right? But, but by God's will for your life. We have to really keep that in mind when it comes to the things of this world, the injustices of this world, because a lot of times when we act out of our emotions, when things hurt us, hurt our feelings, we may act too soon. We may act too quickly and act outside of our faith um, because we are really thinking about how we feel in the moment when that ain't it. That ain't the move. Verse five says, moreover, wine betrays an arrogant man is never at rest. Do you know that taking matters into your own hands and doing something against God's word in response to injustice is operating not only from disobedience, but also a spirit of pride? The just, the righteous, look, we able to rest because we know who God is and who is in control. We know that our God is just and that it will be, you know, mere arrogance for us to believe that we as mere humans could completely take control and create justice for ourselves. What good is that? We could never be at rest. We would never be satisfied. All right. <laughs> take a look at any of the movements right now. Ain't nobody satisfied in that. Ain't nobody rested in that. All right. Even looking at the pride movement, right? I mean, obviously from jump, we know that homosexuality is not of God, but I do want to bring up this movement because it has been created based on the injustice formed against a group of people and their created identity. And I say created intentionally because, um, you know, that's not the identity that God has given us. But um, this very movement is called pride, right? It's called pride. <laughs> and what does the word say? An arrogant man is never at rest. And there's also a lot of other things that the word says about pride. But it's nothing but the enemy to encourage people to have pride in a false identity. Uh, people all over the world have been coming into agreement with accepting that they should be prideful of something that the word literally identifies as an abomination. You know, talk about a large scale plan of the enemy to deceive. Anyway, no matter what, <laughs> no matter what is done in this movement specifically, there is no satisfaction. There is no rest there because there is no righteousness. Um, in the Black Lives Matter movement, there is no satisfaction. Even when there has been a decision made that meets a demand, you know, there's still no satisfaction. There will always be something to grasp onto and make an idol of. While this is all going on, <laughs> the just are satisfied because we have our faith. All right. Faith brings peace. Faith brings security. Faith brings hope. Faith brings joy. The world didn't give it to us and nor can it take it away. All right. And in verse six through 20, God continues on with the woes for the greedy, the violent, the drunk and the idolater. Look, I, I, 
again, I strongly urge y'all to read this book with a new lens because I'm still receiving revelation every time I read it. You know, it's wonderful how the word reads back to you. It's living. It's a living word. So I'm not going to go in on each woe. That's why I'm like, make sure y'all go back and read this. (laughs) But I do want to highlight the woe to the violent, right? Because we are speaking of injustices. So what does woe mean? In other words, it can mean misery, sorrow, distress, unhappiness, etc. you know, all along those lines. <laughs> um, and verses 12 through 14 highlight the violent. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and founds a town with injustice. Is it not from the Lord of armies that the people's labor only to fuel the fire and countries exhaust themselves for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord's glory as the water covers the sea. And so I want to highlight that one, misery. Misery to those who are violent, first of all. Secondly, let's remind ourselves here that, again, injustice is not pleasing to God. So let's not ever think that he's okay with what he's seeing. And then thirdly, um, God gives us the promise that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord's glory. It may not seem like justice is found in this very hour, but God has the final say. Despite what we see, let's remember and know that there will come a day where every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Philippians 2 and 10 through 11 says, So that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Period, right? So when we go on to look at chapter three, we begin to see more of how we should respond. Verse two says, Lord, I have heard the report about you. Lord, I stand in all of your deeds. Revive your work in these years. Make it known in these years. In your wrath, remember mercy. So let's take a page out of Habakkuk's book. Let's remain in awe of God and be reminded of the report that we heard about the Lord, even even in the wrath of God and even in the vengeance of God and, the, and even in the promises that he brings. Let us still pray for mercy, all right? It's important that in these moments that we still remember who God is and still be in reverence of him, right? How many of us have turned away from our anger and prayed for mercy on the souls of those who sinned against us? Like how many of us have actually done that? The Bible tells us to love our enemies, to pray for them. And we don't even do that. We, we laugh about it. We mock prayer, right? But the Bible tells us to pray for them. Like how many of us have been wronged by someone and our reaction was to go and pray for them, was to say, Lord, I know that they just did me dirty, but please have mercy on their soul. How many of us do that? Let's let's begin to introduce that. Let's begin to introduce that into our prayers, right? The Bible tells us that in prayer, we should forgive those that trespass against us so that we too are forgiven. That is literally in the Lord's prayer. Our faith instructs us to pray to God about everything, to forgive others and extend grace and mercy as God has done for us. And I understand how this can be a hard thing for us to accept, right? You know, especially when we're angry or upset about the current state of society or the treatment of black lives and other minorities. But as believers, we are not to go to bed with anger, all right? We are not to go to rest with that anger stirred up inside of us. Psalms 37 and 8 says, refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. So the Lord is even telling us that being angry and and, and trying to be wrathful and vengeful, that tends only to evil. That isn't righteousness. Ephesians 4 and 26 says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. 
All right. So Ephesians let us know that, okay, you can be angry. You can have that emotion, but do not sin from it. And a lot of us sin from it, right? We get angry and then we go and we run out and we, look, we don't even got to get into that. But y'all know. Um, <laughs> and we let the sun go all the way down in our anger and we let it rise back up and still be angry. You know, present your anger to God and he will supply you with the answer, the understanding, the peace, and the direction that you need. Habakkuk continues to speak and marvel about how mighty God is. You know, he is reminded of all of the ways of God, both in his grace and in his mercy and even in the wrath, right, that God shows. And so he knows the characteristics of God and he is recalling to his memory as well as to God's memory. He's reminding God of who he is. He's, he's showing God like, God, I know who you are. I know how mighty and great you are. You know, and after he has reminded himself of who God was, his confidence was ignited, y'all his confidence. He stood firm in faith because he was confident in who he served. Do you know that when your focus is not on the problem, but on the problem solver, I know that sounds corny and we've heard it before, but when your focus is on the problem solver, right, you gain a confidence. You gain, your, your faith is ignited, right? You get pumps because it's like, yo, I know who my God is. I know that God said the righteous is never forsaken. I know that God hates injustice. I know that God said vengeance is his. I know that God tells me to pray in everything. When you begin to recall who God is, you gain a confidence like no other. We have to learn to be confident in the midst of what's going on in this world. There are a lot of inevitable evils, especially as we get closer to the coming of Christ. But we must remember in this hour that God is who we serve. And again, God is in control, okay? Greater is he that is within us than he that is within the world. So let's act like we know who our father is. Verse 17 through 19 displays further his confidence in God. He says, though the fig tree does not bud and there is no fruit on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though the flocks disappear from the pen and there are no herds in the stalls, yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord, my Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer and enables me to walk on mountain heights. All right. Yeah, things are happening in this world. Yeah, there's injustice. Yes, people are dying. Yes, people are being mistreated. Yet, I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. I will live by my faith. Okay. Yet I will celebrate, yet I will praise God, yet I will be obedient, yet I will give God the glory and the honor that is due his name. God is our strength in this hour. If you don't get anything from this episode, know that God is your strength, okay? I know that a topic like this isn't the easiest to accept. It's not the easiest truth to digest, right? But truth isn't going to always be comfortable. It's not going to always feel good, but that doesn't make it any less true. You know, if anybody is listening and you are really tired of anger being the drive of your life, really, you've, you've made anger an idol, right? Because that's what you're driven by and that's what you live for. That's what you're fueled by, you know, and you don't want to be angry. You want to rest, right? You don't want to be so arrogant to the point that you think that you can just form some type of uh, justice that is... Uh, apart from what God's word says, you know, you won't be able to rest trying to create that. <laughs> All right. And so if you if you're tired, 
like literally tired, right? And you have questions and you need answers, then I would truly recommend that you get to know God our Father. You know, the Bible says that if you believe it in your heart and you confess it with your mouth that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that he was raised again in three days, right? Then you will be saved. Then you will gain that access to eternal life. Then you will find rest, okay? And not only that, but you will gain a sense of fulfillment. You know, you will become satisfied because you are now living by faith. And it's such a beautiful life to live. So I just want to encourage anyone that uh, is just tired, <laughs> really, you know, and, and needs some direction and, and wants to know more and, and needs that understanding. Come on, come on the winning team, okay? Come on the winning team. You know, God is just waiting for you to give him his yes and for you to continue to give him your yes every single day of your life. So literally, it is just that easy to take the first step. You know, I, I am so, so excited that we have made it to episode 11, right? And we're getting close to the end of the season and I am just beyond blessed to even be in this place. You know, this podcast was birthed out of my obedience. God told me to begin to speak and I did. And I don't come on here without going to God first, okay? Without being led by the Holy Spirit. That's just not how I work. <laughs> That's just not how I move. I never want to be in that position of error. I never want to come before people and say something that God did not say. All right. And of course, in all things, test the Spirit. But just know that I'm doing everything that I can to make sure that I come before you with what God says. All right. And um, look, it's as uh, difficult <laughs> as it may be for people to sometimes hear these topics. Think about how I felt when God first gave me the word. Because I'm like, wait a minute. You want me to say what? <laughs> but in it all, through it all. You know, I have to be obedient to what God is telling me to do. So I just pray that this, uh, I just pray that this episode touched you, that this episode gave you a different outlook, that this episode encourages you to go and read Habakkuk, okay, and gain some revelation for yourself. I always want to recommend that when you do go into the word and, to, and into um, reading, you want to pray, you know, and ask God to reveal anything to you, ask the Holy Spirit to be there with you and give you revelation, show you how you can apply what is in the word to your life. If you don't already, take the time to follow our Instagram, which is Beauty for Ashes Podcast, as well as my own Instagram, which has been changed to Shana Salome. So that's my name, S-H-A-I-N-A. S-A-L-O-M-E. Um, go ahead and follow me there. Follow the podcast to keep up with updates. Um, if you gave your life to Christ today, we do have a link for you to join a group so that you have a community. Uh, I am just, I'm really in awe, y'all. <laughs> I'm really in awe of God's goodness and just all that he has been doing within my life. And I pray, I pray that he is moving, moving great in yours as well. Um, as we know he will do, right? <laughs> so look, until next time, y'all, I love you. I'll talk to you again. We'll chat. Who knows what we'll talk about next week, but I'm looking forward to the conversation. Peace.